This is Songs of Praise. We hope this hour of musical reflection lifts your thoughts to our loving Saviour, Jesus Christ.
Pleased you have joined us on Songs of Praise, brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio. Think about his love. About his love. Think about his goodness. Think about his grace. That's brought us through. For as high as the heavens above, so great. Mercy, how could I 
A little boy built a boat Built it out of love Put it in the river A string tied the two together But the current broke that string And the boat just drifted away A little boy made a promise A teardrop in his eye One day he'd reclaim the boat And bring the two back together Well, it didn't take too long When he saw the boat in the window of a store Well, he saved all his money and he bought the boat And as he walked away, you could hear him say Now you're mine, mine Two times you're mine Once because I made you Once because I bought you Now you're mine, mine Two times you're mine Both times Cause I love you so God made a man Made him with his love Put him in the world The love tied the two together But the man broke that love And the man just drifted away God made a promise From his throne on high One day he'd reclaim the man And bring the two back together Well, it didn't take too long When he sent down Jesus, his only son Well, he sacrificed his son that day If you listen close, you can hear him say You're mine, mine, two times You're mine, once because I made you Once because I bought you Now you're mine, mine, two times You're mine, both times Cause I love you so Both times Cause I love you so Don't you know God loves Each one of us so My tongue will talk about your righteousness and about your praise all day long. Psalm 35, 28.
Those are too hard for me to win. When Satan comes to tempt me with all sin, I know. Surrender all to His 
I have fixed my mind on another time, on another time, and here I mean to stand until God gives me more light, and that is today, today, today until He comes. I have fixed my mind on another time, on another time. I have set my course on the narrow way, on the narrow way, for I know the time is close at hand for which I watch and pray. And that is today, today, today until He comes. I have set my course on the narrow on the narrow way. Even so, Lord, come quickly. This is my fervent prayer. For I've caught a glimpse of glory and I'm longing to
fixed my mind on another time on another time We hope you are being encouraged to see the goodness of God on songs of praise. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord.
Join us again on Songs of Praise, produced by 3ABN Australia Radio. 
Today, in 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading, we are continuing Banish the Night by the late missionary pilot and pastor Len Barnard, read by Clive Nash. The book is set in Papua New Guinea and is broadcast with the kind permission of Pacific Press and is available in print and digital editions online. Continuing Chapter 12, Canivy the Killer. At Sabbath school and church services, Seba had learned to love the Lord and had wanted to be baptised, and so she joined the instruction class. When her foster father learned of this, he forbade her to attend, citing as a reason her duty to look after his pigs. But she continued attending as before. When she refused to look after the pigs, an integral part of heathenism, the man beat her. Following one particularly violent outburst from her foster father, Seba became utterly discouraged and felt there was no way out of her dilemma except suicide. Fastening a rope to her neck, she climbed a tree and tied one end near the top. Then she closed her eyes and prayed. Upon opening her eyes, Seba saw three bright beings walking down the road from the mission, one suddenly beginning to run toward her. She felt she must jump quickly before anyone reached her. Fortunately, the small rope broke as she fell to the ground. Some time later, the relative found her lying face downward and came running to inform me. Sometimes I'm asked whether the simple, uneducated people of New Guinea know what Christianity is all about when they are admitted to the church. I reply that I think their commitment to the Lord is sometimes deeper than our own, who have the advantage of an education and the ability to read the Holy Scriptures. If lack of education were a bar to understanding the essential points of salvation, many precious souls in New Guinea would miss the road to heaven. But when such a simple person accepts Jesus as Lord and Master, it means an involvement of every detail of his life, as illustrated by the following story. Occasionally, my wife would accompany me on a walkabout. On one such patrol, a lovable elderly woman decided to help my wife along the way. We had travelled all the morning and had just crossed a narrow log used as a bridge over a stream when the trail started to climb steeply. Being hot and weary, this dear soul, still leading my wife by the hand, said to her, Fasti mai, close your eyes. Then she offered a short prayer in her own dialect and continued to climb. To her, prayer was as natural as drinking water and as refreshing. The dreaded killer Kuru, a brain-degenerating disease, claims women victims. It was found only in one area of New Guinea, which included a section of Mount Michael. It affects whole tribes and so far has baffled the scientists. The disease brings on a lethargy, followed by a shaking, eventually becoming so violent that the victim struggles to walk and eat. Finally, paralysis sets in, and after about 12 months, death ensues. In the months following our first walkabout, hundreds began to prepare for baptism, including in Husa village, a young woman who had just given birth to a child. Then she developed Kuru. At her baptism, she was shaking violently and had to be helped down to the stream. Pastor Salau, the officiating minister, had extreme difficulty immersing her. Each time she was lowered to the water, an involuntary spasm of her muscles caused her to leap backward. Finally, the rite was accomplished, 
and for a moment she stood with face upturned toward heaven. Four months later, the young woman died, but strong in the hope of the resurrection and entrance into the land of eternal delights. Chapter 13 The Fireproof Bible The words, Go West, young man, go west, could well be applied to our mission program in the highlands of New Guinea in 1962. Beginning on the coast at Ley, the long, sinuous road to the highlands crawls up and down the mighty mountain ranges, sometimes slashed by landslides and raging torrents. Creeping up the Kassam Pass to the highlands, it passes close to several Adventist mission stations, including Amara, Kainantu, the Mount Michael Road branching to the left, Binabina, and about 200 miles from the coast and a little more than 5,000 feet in altitude, Garoka, home of the Eastern Highlands Mission Headquarters, and seven miles away, Kabiufa Missionary College. After gaining Dalo Pass at 8,500 feet, the road dips down to densely populated Chimbu Valley, whose people are famous for their gaudy bird-of-paradise headdresses. To the left are turn-offs to the Yanai and Moruma Mission Stations, then the mountain steeps give way to the fertile flats of the Wagi Valley. At the end of this valley is Mount Hagen, 350 miles from Ley, and the headquarters of the Western Highlands Mission. Passing through the leper colony at Togaba, the road labours up to an altitude of 9,000 feet across the Tomba Pass and then drops abruptly into Wabag Valley, the location of Bakamanda Mission. After passing through Wabag, with its undulating airstrip, it goes on to our modern hospital at Sopaz. The road finally descends into the less pretentious valley of Ligam, 450 tedious miles from the coast. This was to be my base for the next few years. But the greatest stimulus lay westward. There, where no roads penetrated, tortured mountains and valleys concealed mysterious tribes yet to hear the gospel. In the words of the great Christian writer, Alan G. White, In all the dark corners of the earth, God has in reserve a firmament of chosen ones that will yet shine forth amidst the darkness. I would search the dark corners of these sparsely populated mountains and valleys for such chosen ones. Notorious for his fighting prowess in the Ligon Valley before the white man came was Piari. His original name was Amos, but when his fame as a warrior spread, his proud parents changed it to Piari, which means a man strong in battle. Believing his power came from Tamango, the local spirit god who was revered in the form of a sacred stone, Piari and the tribal leaders would pour oblations of pig's blood over the holy stone. And before engaging in a fight, they would entreat the god for victory over their enemies. But we later learned that this lustful life had brought no peace to Piari. When missionaries entered his valley, a curious Piari attended worship with other villagers. Across the mountain in the next valley was another mission operated by the Seven Days. Still seeking peace of mind, he went to visit them. At the mission he was greeted as a friend and was persuaded to stay there for several weeks. During this time, Piari accepted as truth that which came directly from an amazing book called The Bible, which contained talk from God himself. 
At last he found the peace he was seeking and requested the Seventh-day Adventist mission to build a house of worship in his valley. Pastor J. H. Newman told him there was no one to send. But Piari persisted with his appeal until Pastor Newman said that a man who had been on the mission station for one year could go back with him. Later, he would be replaced by someone with more training. When Piari and his helper arrived in Ligam, they were not received with favour. The village men voiced their opposition. This fellow mission no can allow him, you me long kai kai pig, no pull him smoke. More better you kiss him this fella boy, he go along other fella half now start him mission. This mission will not let us eat pig or smoke our pipes. It would be better if you took this mission boy to start a station somewhere else. Piari replied that no one would stop them eating pig or smoking tobacco if they wished to do these things. But as far as he was concerned, he had finished with them. The old men scowled as they watched Piari and his helper gather bush timber and start erecting a hut. Though they received some help, the work progressed slowly. The posts had to be carried from the mountain above the village, and the grass for thatching had to be cut in the adjacent valley. Finally, a modest hut stood in the centre of the mission plot. Several weeks later, Piari's helper returned to the base at Rakamanda to report progress and obtain a precious handful of extra nails. One afternoon during his absence, Piari was in his garden some distance away when he heard the cry, Fire! Fire! and saw flames rising from their hut. Yelling excitedly, he rushed to the rescue, but too late. As the fire died down, Piari picked up a stick and began to poke among the ashes. The stick struck something solid, his valued Bible. To his amazement and delight, not one page was burned, nor was the cover damaged. This fellow book, he exclaimed, Emi Tok Tok belong true fellow God on top. This book speaks for the true God in heaven. Astonished, his neighbours examined the incredible book that had been preserved from the fire. Scowls changed to expressions of enlightenment. The old men admitted that perhaps there was something special about this book and its author who was able to save it. This incident was a landmark in Piari's life. Piari the fighter became Paul the preacher, and as the years passed I knew no other advocate of the Bible so powerful as Paul Piari. Now his enemy was error and his weapon the Bible. Paul rebuilt the hut and constructed a small church, which someone also burned one night. Once again, the men dragged posts and poles to the site, while the women gathered the grass for thatching. After months of hard labour, another church stood above the ashes, a little larger than the first to accommodate the growing congregation. But once again, while they slept one night, the incendiarist returned, and this church also was reduced to ashes. Wails of despair rent the morning air, but with grim determination the sturdy group applied themselves to rebuilding, only to see the new structure suffer the same fate as the previous chapels. Their enemies across the valley boasted of their success, and waxing bolder they raided the mission with bows and arrows and tried to argue Paul and the others out of continuing with their newfound God. But the Christians would not yield, for their strength was in God.
and he did not fail them. In Ligam, there now stands an even bigger tabernacle, a witness to the true God and his steadfast worshippers. The power of the false god Tamungo had waned in that district. To be continued. Tune in again next week for the next episode of Banish the Night, written by Len Barnard and read by Clive Nash. Let's listen to William Ackland as he shares a psalm from his paraphrase of the Bible called The Gift. Psalm 51 is a psalm that David wrote, a psalm of repentance, and is directed to the choir director. And it is a prayer of repentance after his adultery with Bathsheba. I am desperate for your mercy, O God, mercy that comes from your divine love, in harmony with your divine grace. Please blot out my great wickedness. Purify my whole being until I am clean again. Wash me and cleanse me from my iniquity and my sin. I acknowledge my terrible transgressions. My sin is weighing so heavily upon me. I have sinned against you, and you only have I wronged, and done this evil deed in full view of heaven so that you will be seen to be just when you speak and proven to be a righteous judge. When I was born, I was sinful, and even in my conception, sin was within me. You desire truth, not only on the outside, but deep within as well. For it is the unseen depths of my mind that you reveal to me what wisdom is. Purify me with hyssop, and then I shall be clean. Wash me over and over again, and I shall be whiter than snow. Open my ears to hear joy and gladness once more, that my crushed spirit may rejoice in you. Do not look upon my sins, and blot out of your book all my evil deeds. Give me a newly made heart, O God, and place within me a desire to be true to you. Do not hasten away from me, nor take your Holy Spirit from me. Grant me the blessings of your salvation and uphold me with your uplifting spirit. Then I shall be able to teach sinners the way of God and they shall be brought back to your heavenly family. Deliver me from the dreadful state of blood guilt, O God, for salvation comes from you. And then I shall sing loudly of your righteousness. O Lord, Loosen my lips, and I shall be able to praise you with singing. Your great desire is not sacrifice, or else I would offer these to you. Nor is your delight a host of burnt offerings. The real sacrifice that you desire are a broken spirit and a subdued and humbled heart. These, O God, you will not ignore. In your own good time and in your own good way, make Zion what you want it to be. Strengthen the walls of Jerusalem to keep out evil. Then you will accept the sacrifices of righteousness with the burnt offerings outlined in your law, and we shall offer whole bulls upon your altar. <laughs> 